Hans, what, what are you having? A hot cup of cocoa there? I'm having coffee because my energy levels are really down. I'm, I'm really feeling the the moon energy is is, is not hitting me right. So um, I'm trying to get some energy via coffee. <laughs> Dude, I didn't wanna I didn't wanna believe all that moonship like after <laughs> last night. I'm starting to believe it. Like really, Hans. I don't know if I've ever seen you energetic. That's true, but yeah, I'm just feeling a little a little old. Uh, and we have special guest, Mario Cuomo, lead singer of the Orwells, the last great American rock band. Ooh, thank you. I might be on the last great American podcast right now. Oh, I don't know about that. I think Tim Dillon, what, Alex yeah, Jones probably has this beat. <laughs> he's good. We're going to be talking about uh, Maniac today, but I think we're going to get into a, a whole lot. And I actually think there's a good point to be illustrated with Maniac the original and Maniac the remake in terms of how film and maybe just art in general has progressed and i'd love to get your take on that uh mario as somebody who's involved with music more so than like film or writing which is typically where we'll call our guests from we can just label this our post halloween halloween special because it's supposed to be recorded on friday and uh hans got a day job or something how did that go hans (laughs) it's fine i start officially tomorrow uh but i had to go and do a bunch of like signing contracts and whatnot um, because this is not paying the bills, so I need to, <laughs> I need to get something to, to pay my internet. Are you saying I, I don't pay you a fair uh, wage? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have to I'm get saying on the that. <laughs> Just a little bit of trivia about this movie. It has a 4K Blu-ray release. Okay. Anybody cares about that? I can't imagine seeing this movie in 4K. Like it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's specifically designed for whatever like the cheapest media. Like VHS would be perfect for Maniac. I can't imagine it being really... Uh, significant improvement of the viewing experience, seeing every particle and every detail. Um, who directed this film? Hans, do you know the director of this movie? Uh, Lustig, I think. Joe William Lustig. Lustig. Some... William Lustig. He directed Maniac, Maniac Cop, Maniac Cop 2, Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence. And I think he's producing the um, the HBO series that Refn is doing on Maniac Cop. I've never seen that. Is that a fun movie? I I'll, I'll tell you what Maniac Cop was I think the first R-rated movie I owned. Maniac Cop three. I tricked my mom into buying me that at the dollar store. I like stacked it between a Woody Woodpecker videotape <laughs> and uh, like Flintstones or something. But they were all like a buck. Anyway. your doors but you can't lock the madman out of your mind well it's a story of this uh creep i don't think you can call it anything else it's It's just a a creep that that um kills prostitutes and scops them um like a native american would back in in those (laughs) those days when they had power uh and um he removes this cop and then at home he has mannequins that he dresses with the dress of the prostitute he just killed and then staples their scalp uh on their head uh and it's just uh i mean as the story unfolds we 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 know why he does it like he has a mommy issues pretty pretty bad mommy issues uh (laughs) but it's it's very dirty it's very it, it it leaves you feeling a little and, and I think that's the the purpose of it, and the reason why it looks like that, because it, it 
there's nothing slick about it. It's it's very grindhouse-ish. It feels like now. Now, when you said that 4K thing, I, I think that would defeat the entire. Yeah, that's my take it. as well. Like, I, I, it feels very, very perfectly. It, it encapsulates early '80s New York very well, I think. Just in terms of the visual style of the movie, it has a very yeah. uh, uh, kind of similar to Abel Ferreira's early films like Driller Killer and, and Miss Forty Five. It has that type of look to it. Uh, cinematography of the bridges and just New York at night is very inherently cinematic. <clears throat> you know, Mario, you you picked this movie among a stack of other movies, but why mm-hmm. why this movie in particular? Well, I had a uh, I had a pretty long kick with like the Jalo uh, genre, and uh, I was just trying to find like the best slasher movies, and I think this one is just one of the better ones in like a a subgenre that has so many so much trash a lot of uh, unwatchable stuff and like the bar is pretty low with these movies so to see this one and I I just love Joe Spinell actually it's probably like the reason why I like this movie more than like others and uh, I could just watch him act in anything I guess so like it's just he's just a fun actor to watch so that's probably what put it over the line is like one of my favorite slasher movies. For a guy with a big, meaty, greasy face, he sure has a lot of charisma. <laughs> I love guys like that, though. Yeah, and he has a, like a fairly illustrious career, even though I think he died in the mid to late 80s. So he, he only had like a very short window where he was operating as an actor, but he's in Rocky. I believe he's in The Godfather. Yeah. Like he's got some... Taxi like, Driver. Yeah. Uh, like... Some of the biggest movies, when I think of, like, what are the biggest movies, I think of, like, The Godfather, Rocky, Taxi Driver, and he's just in them all somehow. Yeah. And uh, I think The Godfather was with the help of his mother. She wrote, like, a a sappy letter. I think she she knew somebody that was uh, New Coppola and wrote, like, a, there's a documentary on Joe Spinell on YouTube that was, like, an hour long, and uh, it was pretty interesting, like, I think he had a pretty good relationship with his mom in uh, real life, unlike Maniac, and she was uh, very supportive. <laughs> Somehow got him in the casting, uh, got him casted in The Godfather. It's actually very convincing how he can go from being a total creep in this movie to being a persuasive, almost like ladies' man character, with, yeah, especially that yeah. one photographer, who I guess you can consider the love interest of the movie. I was blown away that he convinced that woman to go get Italian food with him so quickly. No fucking way. This is like the smoothest. I don't know. It just worked. My favorite thing about that scene is that he, his opening line in that date is, uh, you're the most beautiful woman I've seen since my mom, uh, which is very, te- very telling of the character. That's something that I wrote down because I was like, yeah, this is you know perfect to who this character is. And it says so much with just that one single line. So, like we established, like everything about this movie is just dirty in every aspect. Uh, it is fairly well done, though. I know this was kind of like, a, I mean, I guess it's a passion project for Joe Spinell. I think he had a lot of creative involvement in this movie. And uh, even before he died, I think they were planning a sequel. Do you know anything yeah, about that? There's a, there's a. It was made, a, right? No, it wasn't. There, it, is, it wasn't finished because he died in '89. Uh, yeah. They were, what, they were what was it, it called, Mister? Uh... I have it right here, Mr. Robbie. Yeah, yeah, where he's like a yeah. children's TV show host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they only well uh, it was because of the backlash that the movie received like the w women groups got really against the movie because of all the violence that is presented so he he apparently was very pro women so he felt really bad and he thought okay so let's just remake this and instead of me just killing women he plays this character that receives letters from children that are being abused and then he revenges them by attacking their parents i guess oh um but uh there there's I was able to find like a seven minute promo on, on YouTube and there was just one scene of him killing this guy for no reason other than him saying that, you know, children don't respect anyone anymore or something like that in this times. And then he just murders him. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I um, one of the, my favorite things about it is just that, you know, you don't really see a dirty, you know, fat guy being the lead character of a movie like that someone that's not really attractive in any way and it's just it adds so much to the character that i mean we're, we're going to talk about the remake too right yeah yeah something that was completely missed in this new movie i actually just finished watching it an hour ago um i wanted to have a fresh uh memory of it and it's it's just completely lost in that movie because you you have elijah wood who's not threatening he's not scary he's not someone that you believe could overpower anyone yeah he's and in this clean one, too it, he's very clean and in, in this one it's just you know a, a a big you know thick uh dirty guy that yeah that... you can perfectly imagine joe spinell the man doing everything he does in this movie uh and it adds to the the heightened reality of the film i think one of my favorite scenes one of my favorite kills in the movie is when he offs tom savini in the car when they're making out oh, and yeah. about to get busy. Beautiful. And he's just like plodding around the car, stalking them. And then just <laughs> jumps on the hood with a shotgun yeah. and blows him away. Yeah, he jumps up on that car like he's a fucking Marine or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. It's great. Uh, there is a lot to contrast between this Maniac film and then the Elijah Wood remake, which I know a lot of people were upset about before it had come out. Because it's like, of all the films to remake and then also put Elijah Wood as the lead in, you're going to go with this one. And then after it came out, people seemed to actually like it. They had, you know, positive feedback for it. But um, I don't know if it really holds up, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, I, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other highlights in this movie, Maniac? Well, I think one of the things that added a lot to it, too, was that, um, I'm, and I'm assuming this is ADR, um, you hear him constantly grunting throughout the movie, uh, whenever is his point of view. Uh, in the Elijah Wood one, he has dialogue and he talks to himself, which doesn't really work for me. But in this one, a lot of the grunting and a lot of his own, you know, fat sounds, I guess if you want to give it a name, uh, are heard throughout. And it adds a little bit of the creep factor to it because he's not only stalking them, but you can hear him getting excited about the kill before he kills uh, that. And also the 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 screams that were added post-production, I'm assuming, too, because sometimes they don't really fit the, the person that's screaming. Like, that added a lot to the, to the not only the character, but also to the, the feeling of uneasiness that the movie gives you. Um, and, uh, and also the soundtrack in the, in the original one is really, really good, too. Hmm. Um, do you guys want to just get into the remake, then, and start doing a compare and contrast? Sure. I have, I have like, 
six paragraphs of things that I want to take say. It, take it away, Hans. Piece of shit. Dude, I, was, <laughs> I was five minutes in and I was already like, I, I, uh, because everything feels so forced. I don't know if mm. it's the, that I'm immediately put off by Elijah Wood being this sad boy because that's what he is throughout the whole movie, you know, feeling sorry for himself, like no women pays attention to me kind of thing and like staring into mirrors just so we can see it. Also the the gimmick of the point of view. I don't think it works. Um, yeah. I think it, it could have worked for a couple of shots, maybe the killings, you know, because a couple of them do look cool. But after 10, 15 minutes, you kind of want to see more than just his point of view. And I feel like a lot of the uh, exposition is told via dialogue instead of showing us. So a lot of the times whenever he's interacting with someone, they're talking straight into the camera. They're saying things like, oh, are you an artist? So that he can reveal, you know, what he does instead of showing us him doing whatever it is that he does. Uh, and a lot of the of the dialogue was just so that we can set up things that the movie never shows us because it's more focused on that point of view camera thing uh, right. and his own inner dialogue that it's not really inner because he says it out loud. Uh, that uh, you lose a lot of what you can get from that character by not showing him. And at the end of the day, it's just a, it ends up feeling like just a gimmick movie where there was just, let's just do this because this is cool. But it, you lose a lot of what the original character has, like his physicality, his creepiness, when you're not showing them. When you're only showing a hand or when you're only showing him in reflections, you never feel close to the character. I don't, I don't want to say that because I'm, it's not like I, I identified with, with the Joe Spinell character, but at least you can you can feel more of like a, a, a three-dimensional character there than in this one. It's just, you know, a guy that we barely see. We Every interaction that he has is someone speaking directly into camera. So it feels very, I don't know, it doesn't feel natural at all. And then at points, they do show him. So it's like it's like they they couldn't decide exactly when you you were going to show Elijah Wood interacting with other people or when you know the point of view was going to be the the gimmick they were going to use. Yeah, uh, Mario, did you get around to seeing the remake? Yes, I have seen it. I actually, uh, oh man, I might have seen it before I saw the original. Actually, like a few years ago. And uh, yeah, now that you're talking about the point of view thing, it is it does feel like it could have been some sort of like weird ass, like VR telltale thing, like press, press a to choke the girl, like <laughs> type thing. And, uh, yeah, it was almost felt like you're watching a video game or something, but, uh, yeah, I'm just less of a, more of a fan of a straightforward film than, uh, something, something that shot. So like all in, all in on that point of view thing, kind of, uh, I think probably just took away from it in a lot of aspects. I think it's a movie that was aware of the fact that it had to do something different from the original to uh, not yeah. trample over it. But I, it, it also wound up in doing so, I think missing a lot of the point of that original movie that, that made it spark to begin with and just become something redundant with that title. Um, and, I think it also it arrived at a time where you're not really getting any slasher movies at all. So the playing field is not leveled to like 1980 or, or you know that decade in general. So you have something like this that's well made enough, and you have a fairly reasonably good acting talent in Elijah Wood fronting that. 
and all the people behind the camera were competent, I think it makes sense why it would get positive acclaim and become its own thing as a result of that. But as far as like being a, an actual, it, in, ser- in terms of like servicing Maniac as a remake, I think it's a failure. And I, I don't think it ages well for a lot of the reasons you got into, Hans. I think it, I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be another one of those forgettable tens horror movies, you know? Well, I, I, there's also a thing with the tone of their original movie. So in the original movie, um, I don't think it ever expects you to uh, feel sorry or relate to the character. So we show this guy that's obviously disturbed, that has visions, you know, that interacts with mannequins. Um, and this new one, um, a lot of it felt like they were just trying to make us feel bad for Elijah Wood's character. Instead oh, of, yeah, he has to take pills. Yeah, because of, of his voice. Voices in his head that make him kill or something yeah. like that. He talks to himself mental. and he, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, he said he says something like, "Oh no, his mental health. Why? It's his mental health." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's he's like, "Oh, why won't you let me be normal or something like that?" Like he's fighting with his so know, he's killer one of the victims of the movie, Hans. He's just um <sighs> he's on the same tier as all the women he butchered. Don't you understand? But then also, don't you have empathy, oh, Hans? The, he falls in love with this girl and then he's like looking at her uh, in her studio or whatever, where, where she has the mannequin. And you have to add the scene where she's with her boyfriend and he looks at them and he's like, oh, she has a boyfriend. Now I'm very sad because she has a boyfriend. And it's just, we don't need that. Like, you don't need to feel sorry for this guy that's murdering random women too, because he's not going after prostitutes, which was other thing that was very disconnected for me because... In the original one, there's a meaning uh, or there a reason why he kills prostitutes. His mom was a prostitute, and she would uh, lock him inside of a closet, right, and make, yeah. make not make him watch, but he would because you know it's a kid. In this one, um, she fucks people on the street, I guess, because there's scenes where she's just having sex with a guy, and then we see little Elijah Wood as a kid just seeing his mom fuck someone on the street, and then he just randomly kills any woman. You know, someone that says something mean to him and he's like, oh, cool. Now I'm going to sneak into her apartment building and murder her. You know, so it, it, it just doesn't connect the way that or it doesn't make sense for that character to be able to. Well, first, little Elijah Wood overpowering every woman that he encounters and even the boyfriend at the end. He he like throws him through a door or whatever, getting this superhuman strength from somewhere. Um, and also, I, I don't. I don't think this is the kind of movie where you're you should be feeling bad for the character. I don't yeah. think you, you should be rooting for this guy to. Oh, now he found love. That's great. You know, he's like he's a, a creep murdering random women. So that that was another aspect that was added that it made it feel more like a, oh, this is just a regular horror movie instead of its own thing like the original Maniac is. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you think? Do you think there's any worthwhile horror movies from like the past decade that like that that I would put on the same tier as something like the original Halloween or The Exorcist or any of these movies? Because I, I take a look at like modern horror today and people are always talking about hereditary or they're talking about <laughs> get out. Well, you know, you know, the usual suspects, the, yeah, the, yeah. the witch. And those are all like good movies. But I don't as time goes on, you can see the decay very quickly and it becomes very transparent and you start to realize, okay, these don't have the same durability to them as a lot of these or earlier films do. There's just a missing component. I think, 
I think a lot of that has to do with a problem that this Maniac remake runs into, which is it cherishes too much of the past and tries to honor that in certain ways or, or resurrect it a little bit. Like in this Maniac remake, they play, what is it, Goodbye Horses while he's about to kill yeah. like a roller derby girl, which uh, is forever associated with Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs. Like, why would you right. do that? Yeah. Like, it's an homage, but you're now competing with it because you, you're a horror movie, too. It's like it's saying, yeah. we'll never be as good as this. So why don't we just play this little thing here to remind you of that better thing? Yeah. That also, at, at points, it felt like the director or the person that wrote this or the per person responsible for this remake, it feels like they just saw Maniac and thought, okay, so mannequins and, and sculpting, and that's it. And that's, that's the elements that they took from there because it's very obvious that uh, first scene, he sculpts someone and uh, they make a, an effort to show how he's talking to the mannequin and, you know, uh, putting the the um, hair on top of it. But it doesn't have any other elements from the original. It's just like those are the two things that they decided to grab and then they just build the movie around that that has no connection with the original character, I, I felt. Um, and it, it felt very you know, very superficial when it comes to trying to make a remake. I, um, I, sorry that I'm going around, but uh, I, recently watched, I recently watched um, Nightmare on Elm Street uh, and the remake also. Oh. And it's the remake the same... when they're like eating Adderall to stay up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the remake, um, it's just let's redo the scary scenes from the original movie and also add... Freddy being like a, a creep in the last 20 minutes for no reason, because in the original one, we don't need to know who Freddy is. It's just a guy that appears in your dreams and kills you, right? And we watch the remake, and from the start, uh, we're supposed to already know what the story behind it is. We're supposed to already know who Freddy is, because the first scene is just a guy in a diner, and he kills himself while he's sleeping. Uh, in this one, I feel like you you were supposed to also know the original movie, and if you're doing a reboot, you should explain what happened. You should you should set it up so that if someone has no idea what the original movie is, they'll know. Instead of just going straight into the movie, instead of just going straight into, hey, um, well this guy kills women and cuts her hair off, and and that's what we're gonna show, and good, that's all the setup we need. In the Freddy one, in the Nightmare on Elm Street, the newer one, uh, it starts with that. And then within the first five minutes, someone dies. And then it's like, oh, well, now I don't want to sleep. And then he get, gets killed. And then the next person is like, well, I'm not going to sleep either. So it, it's taken no time to set up what old movies used to do, where they would just spend a little bit more time showing the character before a kill. Yeah. And in this one... It goes immediately like that. It's immediately uh, he's already looking at a prostitute on the street on the first scene, and he he uh, chases her and kills her already. And there's no setup. We don't know who the character is. I don't I don't think they care to show who the character is uh, throughout, uh, especially at the beginning. So they expect you to have a knowledge of their original already, and that's that's one of the reasons why I feel a lot of reboots fail. Because if you're trying to reboot the whole thing. Give us a setup, you know? What if we're ignorant? We don't, well, not ignorant, or just don't know the, the you know, original movie. Uh, and this one, it, it felt like the same thing. Yeah, and Maniac is a pretty obscure title to begin yeah. with. On top of that, we're not talking about, like, Freddy Krueger, who, you know, I think he was in, like, Pop-Tarts commercials in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, but, 
that that remake of Nightmare on Elm Street is such like a perfect example of uh, a soulless recreation of something that was you know once great and full of life like again completely missing the point of the original um mario would you say that like horror is your favorite genre or or genre you're particularly well versed in uh yeah i'd say i know more than like the average person but um yeah it's just man it's such a task to like find the great ones which is like i guess part of the fun of it but it's also like uh just pretty tiring that they i mean some some of them you know like okay we're gonna get halloween until the end of time we're gonna get you know we're gonna get uh chucky movies and all that good stuff but it's it's pretty surprising to me that they they go to reboot all these like not so famous movies like what did they do like two two like black christmas reboots in the last like 10 15 years or something it's just like Dude, like, I don't know. It's just, it just seems really lazy and kind of, uh, it's sad. But then, I mean, if you came along and tried to come up with something as, uh, you know, uh, brutal as like Joe Spinell was and gross, like, I don't think that uh, right now you could have the same, you know, success as these movies used to where like when Michael Myers was introduced it was uh it was still like a new thing and people were like uh more more open to it and now if you you know kill a girl in a movie with a knife you're gonna be uh you're gonna be hit with a misogynistic thing like right off the bat (laughs) by uh every critic yeah watches your film I mean, what was what was really like the last especially brutal horror film to come out? Hostel, maybe Saw. I guess one of the Saw movies. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, mean, they were all pretty gross. Those yeah, definitely they captured the public eye. But I mean, I, surely there's got to be something that has come out in the past ten years, maybe. Right. There was movies that were like, yeah, like uh, I didn't mind that one movie. Uh, was it House of the Devil? Yeah, that was. Good. I thought that was, I thought that was a pretty good movie. Like, uh, there's some good ones here and there. Um, if you go, I mean, okay, like the last because I I thought about this a lot after talking about uh, you guys talking about Rob Zombie on that episode. Like, I'll I'll give like House of a Thousand Corpses or something like. I'll say that's a great movie, but that was that was still a pretty long time ago. Yeah, that was yeah. two thousand three. I just rewatched that recently. I think it was on uh, uh, Tubi or something. Tubi just starts yeah. playing movies. If, if oh, you I've leave been it jumping on. up and down on Tubi and uh, a little Pluto TV. Here yeah, and there. yeah, yeah, <laughs> dude. You'll you'll find some. Uh, they'll play some gems on there for sure. I uh, I discovered just like this obscure German. Uh, uh, it's not even a Fassbinder film, but he's the star of it called Kamikaze 89. I want to cover on this show or Civic TV or something at some point. It's so weird. So bizarre. It's not a horror movie. It's just a weird movie. Uh, it has like a great leopard jacket in it. That's not related <laughs> to anything we're talking about. But just the strength of uh, of Tubi there. And f- for free. It's the... It's one yeah, of the free free now. Yeah. I love like just telling old people that cable's free now. And then being <laughs> like, what? No, it's not. 
And you're like, I swear it is. Just type this in, and you're gonna get really pissed that you pay Comcast nineteen dollars a month or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. But also, I feel I'm I'm looking at a, a list of you know movies from twenty horror movies from twenty twenty ah twenty ten to twenty twenty, and um, yeah, most of them are just like ghost stories or like demons. You know, there's not there's not many killer movies. Uh, most of, you know, I got Conjuring, you got that series, you got the Insidious series. Uh, those are some of the most successful ones, I guess. And you have Saw, when you don't really see a, a killer killing, like there's no no more slasher movies, really. Uh, and, right. if, and if you do find them, they're usually independent and not, you know, they don't really get the the acclaim that, that you would expect. You have something like Us or the a quiet place where it's just you know monsters Elevated or non-humans horror. yeah exactly uh so let's see cabin in the woods the witch God, a lot sorry. of it is just it's just uh yeah supernatural things um and i think what mario said about you know getting that backlash if you end up doing that now it's very likely that that's the reason why this they got away from from that slasher genre, not because, you know, it's been kind of dead for what, 20 years uh, since the Scream series, I guess. Um, but it's it's interesting to see how, you know, everything's just shifted to uh, ghosts and um, just jump scares from from a dark room when when a loud sound plays and, and that's it, which is pretty much what those Conjuring well, movies are. I was going to say, I think Paranormal Activity is responsible for that, because that comes out in what, like 2007, 2009? And then you have the the whole found footage boom that occurs yeah. with that. And that yeah. gives way to James Wan having a career, because he does Insidious, which is an awful movie, terrible movie, worst <laughs> movie I've ever seen in theaters, to be honest with you. <laughs> really hated my time watching that. But then he does The Conjuring, and that's a pretty good movie. And then you just have like a string of all these supernatural films. So I don't know. I think you can probably break up the decades by subgenre horror. Like obviously the 80s is uh, slasher films. The 1970s is more, I guess. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really have a term for it. But in my head, I think about like the Changeling or uh, uh, Ghost Story or... Halloween or the original Black Christmas, these like slow moving or actually Giallo yeah. horror was was also a big thing in the 70s. Yeah. 90s, you have the self-referential scream style of horror. They're making a new scream, by the way. Have you guys heard about this? No, uh, I, I never yeah. uh, I never saw the uh, MTV show either. Oh, I never saw uh, Teen Wolf, never saw Teen Wolf either. So I might be missing out. Yeah, you might be uh, might be missing out no. big. You're not. Uh, I watched the, I watched like two episodes of that Scream series, and it's just a high school drama with a couple of cool kills per episode. So yeah. it's not. It's. I mean, it's. I guess it's what you would expect from an MTV production, but it's not. Yeah, it's, it's what I really, imagine like uh like that like a show like Riverdale or something is like these like Netflix uh these Netflix uh, teenage sex shows. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, they're doing uh, Scream 4. Obviously, Wes Craven is dead, so he's not going to direct it, but they have the original cast. I think they're shooting in Canada right now. So, Oh, boy. How does that oh, not so- like, just suck the life out of you? <laughs> like, David Arquette's like, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. I'm, fucking, I'm dying. I want to be a wrestler. I don't want to fucking go back. 
So what's the is the story now that they're going to be easier to kill because they're old? Because they're all geriatric. Like, like yeah. they're not the actresses are not hot anymore. So the whole point of the thing chasing hot women, like now it's like oh, I, I like older women now. He's he's conscious to older women now. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're also remaking or re re rebooting Friday the Thirteenth too. No, what reasons. really? Uh, yeah. What yeah. are they doing with that? I'm not uh, uh, bringing Jason back. Oh, all right, yeah. having him kill with a with a machete, and that's it. I'm just, it's just going to get to the point where we start enjoying it, and we're all like, "This is good." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's what like, they want. I was like watching the Child's Play uh, reboot in theaters, and I was just laughing my ass off. Like I was like, "Wait, why am I actually having a good time?" Like, is this good? I don't know if it's just like really, really funny or. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I was just having a giggly day, but I had a I had a blast watching the the Child's Play remake with uh, Aubrey Plaza, who is oh, played a horrible mother. I was like, yeah. she should never have kids after watching this. And uh, the guy from Atlanta is the the cop. I haven't seen that. That's where they turn Chucky into just like a killer robot, right? Like an Amazon doll. It's like if Amazon and Uber like merged and then uh and then they also made a Chucky doll and it was uh really bad. Is that like bad the, what was that Rings movie where Samara comes out of cell phones? What? Oh, Is that how that, that movie went? <laughs> yeah. Oh I, my god. There's a they they because now you know you can watch videos on your phone, so obviously you're not gonna search for this VHS. Someone put it on YouTube or something, yeah, and then yeah. the thing comes out of your phone to kill you. Which... Man, I I just I just watched that the the original Japanese Ring movie yesterday, right before oh, yeah. uh, checking out Maniac, and. There, I, like it, it completely killed my opinion of the like. Not that I had a high opinion of the American one from two thousand two oh. with Naomi Watts. I thought it was a good horror movie, but like seeing the style and all that employed in the the Japanese version, and then going yeah, back and looking like, at that, uh, like Juwan did the same thing for me. Yeah. yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh damn! Like I, all these things that I thought were like legit when I was a child were just like. You know these like poor Japanese or Korean remakes or wherever they came, wherever in Asia they came from when they were like really good and original. Yeah, they effectively do the same thing as this Maniac remake. Favorite thing about the original Ring though is that it ends with techno music, just for no reason because it's still 1998. <laughs> and that's what's big yeah. at the time. So, um, yeah, that 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 movie was great, and uh, I have not seen the remake of of uh the ring or rings or whatever but they did do the grudge this year with john yeah john show right yeah i did not did not oh what really that one they <laughs> did a they it. did a series which was fine i saw it it was okay it with with like uh japanese actors it was fine but um that's something that uh because there was a, a time in between what 2000 2000 <laughs> Eight two thousand nine, where they would start remaking those Asian horrors. You have that. You have those two. You have the Eye. That's another remake. And I think Shutter, uh, with a camera that you can catch ghosts in, that's another one that mm -hmm. I think they remade. Uh, and if you watch the original one, it, it you you can really see how much they just dilute the the creepiness and the the scariness of those movies that are so brutal because i'm assuming they don't have as many sensors as you would find in the states 
Um, but like you said, like you, you watch uh, Ringu. That's what it's called, right? Ringu, the original one. Uh, and yeah, then you watch yeah. the remake, and you can you can you can see that it's just a, a very washed version of it, where it's more focused on the soap opera a- a aspect of oh look at this mom that cares about their children so much, and hey feel sorry for her, where the original one is just brutal. It's like I don't, I don't you don't care, you know. It's just we're just going to show you things that are going to shock you, and this is what this movie is, and deal with it. And I think that that holds up a lot better than this American remakes that are very hit or miss when it comes to that. Yeah. The thing I think that bothered me most about uh, The Ring, the movie from the U.S., is that, you know, you take a look at Ring. I'm not going to call it Ring Goo because that's stupid as hell. That sounds terrible. <laughs> uh, Just add ood. <laughs> Ring Goo. Um, is, you know, when you see the VHS tape, it looks like a VHS tape. They clearly shot that with a VHS tape. Then you take a look. This always bothered me, even at like 10 years old when, or 12 years old when I saw this movie. Uh, you take a look at the VHS tape in The Ring, the U.S. version, and it looks like it was shot with an Ari Alexa. It's extremely clean. It just has like a little overlay of VHS texture over it. Terrible. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I was going to ask you guys about like, uh, do you think like just movies not being shot on actual film just really takes away that like visually what we get from older movies. Do you think people will start like directors will start to be like, uh, they have to use film or else like there's no way to achieve the certain like feeling or look that they're, that they would like to replicate. Hmm. Hans, you can start off with that while I think of a a good, concise answer. It's definitely something that is lost uh, on high-definition video. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I feel like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, is still superior to any other sequel or any reboot that I tried to do. It looks like the greatest painter in the world painted some of those scenes, and there's not a moment in, not even just horror movies, I think like there's been times in movies where I'm like, holy shit. And like my jaw drops, like when something looks really crazy, but like, dude, there's a couple times in Texas Chainsaw Massacre where I'm like, wow, that is so fucking beautiful. And, uh, I just don't find myself like jaw dropping like that. Um, as you know, with these, with, uh, newer movies, as opposed to going back to, uh, you know, these masterpieces that have these moments that are just fucking paintings you know texas chainsaw massacre is an interesting one where uh we were criticizing the 4k release of maniac earlier in the show and texas chainsaw massacre is another one that's very gritty very dirty in some ways and so when you watch it on like a videotape uh i remember i got it from the video store and i watched it for the first time that way and then on dvd it you know it kind of disguises the beauty that can be found in the cinematography of that movie that, uh, you know, I think getting a good 1080p version of that really can can showcase. Uh, as for the answer to your question, though, I think it more has to do with um, technical limitations. I think, I think filmmakers today just have too many options on their plate. And so yeah. what they wind up doing is they go past like the peak of whatever the most optimal or great result might be. And they start making overcorrections. And it effectively starts to strip away some of the character 
from what they're shooting. I, th- I think that probably has more to do with it than uh, the format of the video that they're shooting on, maybe. Another like, thing just that- like editing too too much, like some like super anal editing is actually like taking away from a pretty looking thing. Like well, could be that, but also you know if you're shooting on film, your film stock is limited, so you yeah. have to make very in the moment decisions. Uh, whereas, you know, you can have an unlimited amount of SD cards and batteries and just keep rolling and rolling and rolling until you get exactly what you want. And, you know, in some ways, maybe that's great. In other ways, I think it affects the overall product. And, um, it might have more to do with why a lot of films just aren't very memorable nowadays, uh, in some kind of weird indirect reasoning. Yeah, it's. It's very difficult to find a, a horror movie now that has its own style or its own look that stands out. Uh, I feel like maybe a high definition video uh, it limits it a little bit because everything is so clear and everything is so clean. Then even when you try to dirty it up a little bit, it's still because you can see everything. It still feels unnatural and it doesn't yeah. feel as creepy as something from the 70s or 80s. Yeah. Um, and an- another thing that really bothers me from modern day horror movies is that everyone that they cast has to be beautiful. You know, yeah. everyone has to be really good looking. And then you put them in situations where it just feels so natural. You know, you you have, and, and um, I'm not saying that everyone was ugly in the 80s because you have a lot of really good looking actresses, but they yeah. had a more, na- a more natural look, a more a look of, uh, you can find this person on the street and you walk past them. Now, everyone has to be beautiful because of the poster, because of the promos and the trailers, yeah. and you have to sell this, this pretty person in peril. And uh, it takes away from, from, the, from the punch, I think. Yeah, like if you look at the Texas Chainsaw, um... Uh, reboot with Jessica Beale. Yeah. And like, I'm like, wait, this is supposed to be the 70s? Like, this chick looks like she just walked out of like Hollister. Yeah. And like, her jeans have her like, you know, low rise jeans with her fucking hip bones and shit. And I was like, this doesn't look like historically correct. Yeah. They should have added a fat guy with curly hair in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and uh, it, it's and the there's beating. too much. Yeah, there's there's too much focus on casting a, a star that's going to be able to sell the movie instead of thinking of the movie being sold by its own merit without having you know a leading pretty person leading the movie. Uh, and uh, when you're trying to watch a story that you might be able to get into because of how quote-unquote natural it feels or how real uh it feels once you get like and that's something that bothered me too from that uh nightmare on elm street remake that you have this beautiful actress who looks like 30 and she's in high school and every one of her classmates looks like they're 15 16 but she has to have perfect hair she has to have perfect makeup uh so you lose a lot of uh the the immersion that you might get from a movie where you were supposed to get into the story because this beautiful perfect person is in a situation that doesn't really fit you know everything around them doesn't fit the fact that they're perfect yeah. uh, and in old movies i feel like the the concept was thought of before that and even when they cast really good looking people 
that's not the focus of it because the point was selling the story, selling the movies. You didn't have as much promotion as you have yeah. now. You know, you didn't have, you didn't have posters everywhere where you have to show them or you know five different trailers showing them being were scared. They just, and do you good. think they were just rolling the dice more back then? Where like now it's like you can't even get a budget unless you have like some somebody like I'm sure it's probably harder. I don't know. Is it harder to get a budget now than it was back then? Like, I don't know these things. If going through a corporate system, probably. I think they have the numbers down pat now in terms of what's probably going to be a success and what won't, which is yeah. why we're inundated with a bunch of Marvel films and Disney films every single year. Except this year. This year has been terrible great. overall, but great as far <laughs> as that goes. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think it's very difficult to get that type of movie off the ground. And, I mean, I think the path forward for a movie or any slasher film really is going to be a platform like shutter trying to shoot something on your own and then hope you can sell it to somebody like that as a distributor. Um, and maybe it'll take to whatever audience is there, but yeah, I think the days of like something like that going to Warner brothers, that's over. I don't even think like new line, which did it and a couple of other horror movies, that were really successful over the past couple of years uh, would dare put some kind of movie like that into production. I don't even think they want uh, one of these Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake sequels that have been coming out. Yeah, because they could just go to the Sci-Fi Network. You right, know? right. It's. Uh, do you think it's like... Uh... Uh, oh, fuck it, I forgot. Just to, just to add a little bit of what you said about the film stock... Uh, Something well with this movie, just uh, with the original Maniac, just to uh, think about this car scene that you were talking about, the Tom Savini scene. Yeah, uh, they shot that. They had no permits for that, so they had to get it perfect on the first go, and that's yeah. it because of the film and because of the permits. Now, um, if you have a budget, even if you don't have a budget, you have a, a camera where you can just erase a take and just hey, let's do it again and let's do it again and let's do it again until you get it right. So the planning that goes into those scenes. It's not. You as... think that's what they do in Hollywood? They just erase the take that's right before that. Yeah. that they don't like. Yeah, they just they... keep erasing it on the. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they only have two memory cards, like we yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, I mean, you you can do a hundred takes, you know, just try different things. But back in the day, you had to plan everything properly because of one film stock that's expensive, and you have a limited amount of it, and also. A lot of these movies were just shot, you know, guerrilla style. Well, you yeah. would just go and, hey, we have five minutes before the cops come and, and let's plan this perfectly so that we can just go there, shoot it and get it done. And, and that whole scene in the parking lot is shot like that, where, you know, it, it, I don't know how long it took them to shoot it, but they had no permits to shoot that. And a lot of the outdoor scenes, they also didn't have permits for it because of the budget too. you pay permits in New York to shoot outside. I can't imagine that being cheap. Uh, but um, that's another thing that with modern movies, you have the technology to just, well, we got it wrong today. Let's just try again tomorrow, you know, and you have unlimited amount of memory cards or unlimited amount of memory where you can just redo it all over again. So the yeah. planning is not as intense, I guess. Yeah. And I think when you when you do put those constraints onto yourself, um, you're forced to make decisions at a faster pace. And you may not get the result that you're after, but it's going to force you to come up with new creative pathways to correct that in post or something else where you're going to, you're going to come to some kind of solution. And I think more will be bred from that. Like maybe you'll, you'll discover part of your style 
in that error right. or that limitation. Yeah. So, and it will be, and it will be finished for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to worry about something getting halfway done when you put constraints on yourself and, uh, and deadlines. And, uh, I even like, I even like that with, uh, with music, which I think people would be more like, nah, music just comes whenever, man. And it's like, no, if I say that I have to have two songs done this month, then I'm going to actually have two songs, which is more than somebody that uh, just smoked about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, similarly, you know, I, I would like to get your take on this because a lot of people have said for ages that the, the music industry has decayed. And then the film, I'll, I'll talk about the film industry uh, being total shit, has really, I think, become more mainstream in the past five, ten years with all the commercial efforts. What is your take on just the music industry in general, uh, especially in comparison to something like films? Um, well, on like a major label scale, it's probably the same. I mean, the same people own it. It's Warner Brothers, so... You know, people that think it's like Warner Brothers in Atlantic. Well, Warner Brothers owns Atlantic, so it's pretty much the same like Disney monster that you're dealing with. Yeah. And, uh, but in the same ways that you could just strap a fucking GoPro to your head and run through the woods, like you can pretty much do that with an iPad at your house with making music. So, um, in that sense, it's pretty fucking cool. Um, you can always get it out to the world no matter what with, um, streaming services or youtube which um with film is the same right you could always just put something up on youtube and cross your fingers i guess so um in that sense it's pretty cool and i think that keeps people going whereas if you had a big budget for an album or a big budget for a movie and it were to flop that might destroy somebody you know yeah that might that might fuck somebody up where they're like oh i'm never doing that again Whereas if you spend a little bit of money on something and you're learning a lot in the process, you could um, not walk away unscathed, but it's uh, just not that big of a deal if uh, not everybody loves it. Yeah, I, I think all these companies, I mean, really, you can probably trace the the root of the decay and, and the issues and just like the decline in them following algorithms a little too closely because everything is so commercialized. You don't have those great pieces of art coming out as frequently where maybe it's not going to make its money back. Maybe it's not going to be a tremendous hit that the entire mainstream, you know, going public is going to absorb, but over time will build itself into something that's great. Like, uh, like John Carpenter's the thing is a very good example of that where it didn't yeah. take initially upon its release. But then over time, it becomes known as a classic. Uh, I, I don't know if we have too many movies like that now. I actually think House of the Devil, which you had referenced, Ty West film. All his films are great. I wish uh, he would come back. Yeah, yeah Ty, dude, he, that's a, that guy's good. He's very good. Did you, did you ever see uh, The Innkeepers? Yes, I did. Yeah, The Innkeepers, I, I really enjoyed. Good slow burn horror film. Um, the Sacrament. Sacrament. Was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what's cool about now, though, because, like, you know, if you're, like, trying to navigate, like, a sea of shit for, like, horror movies, when you come across, like, one of Ty West movies, you're like, oh, now I can go watch everything, and it's probably pretty good, or better than, you know, sifting through a bunch of other stuff. So, in that sense, uh, 
that's that's another good thing about operating in um i guess a genre that's uh oversaturated with uh a lot of garbage what did they do to him what happened to ty west why is he now you know he's just shooting random episodes of tv series now like he's just become like money. a tv director that's what happens okay. when uh regular film directors wind up losing their spirit or become down on their luck is they'll go to tv they'll direct episodes and that's like a good i mean you can get forty thousand dollars upward of that depending on what tv show you're directing just for doing one episode just for saying okay everybody over here all right cut yeah that's the i'm day. sure that's pretty hard to say no to sometimes especially if they're like you're like nah that's not really my thing they're like you want to do 10 of those this year and you're yeah. like no. <laughs> I guess that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. And he got in on Travolta before anybody else with uh, In a Valley of Violence. Travolta, Ethan Hawke, he did a Western movie, and that was the last one he did. I think that was 2016. Yep, 2016. Oh, yeah. look, he has an episode of that Scream TV series. Oh, that's great. great. Oh, no, don't tell me that. <laughs> that's yeah, fantastic. That's, that's sad. It's sad because he has so much potential and he's shown so much, you know, talent and vision in those, even though in those three, four movies that we just mentioned uh, that you don't really see uh, a slate like that from a lot of directors where you can watch any of those four movies and, and enjoy them for different aspects. You know, they're not the same type of movie. Um, and now he's just, I guess, getting paid to shoot random TV. Well, series. now there's like, now it's like, uh, you know, talking about TV, that it's like a little bit of a step down. Now it's like, who knows? He could be stuck in a fucking 15-year Peacock deal where nobody will ever know what yeah. the fuck he made, you know? Could like, be. some of these, I don't know. I just, sometimes when you see a company like, oh, we have a lot of money, we can do that. You know, like, they know they they don't know anything about it, and they're like, we're Apple, we could have TV. And it's like, I guess, but like, I don't really know anything that stands out from like Apple TV that I, somebody told me I needed to watch or I needed to get Apple TV. Yeah. If you take a look at any like recent Emmys award nominations, it's just a bunch of TV shows nobody has ever watched before that nobody mm. knows the names <laughs> of. Like that Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston uh, news show. I, I know nothing about. I've never seen a second of this show. Are you talking about the Anchorman series? <laughs> is is, is there an Anchorman? I, I don't know. No, I don't I'm know any of them. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's too believable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it all sucks. What, Space Force? Is that oh, what Space Force. Tim, he Tim Heidecker blocked Hans just last yeah. night. What would you yeah, say to him? He seems like a blocker. I, I, I said, because he he said he unsubscribed from uh, Spotify because of the Joe Rogan episode with Alex Jones. Uh, so I just said, so I guess... you're joking? Are you yeah, joking, well, dude? And not just that. He he made a bunch of posts on his, twi on his Twitter being like, I, this is unacceptable. You know, you should not give a platform to this. And, and I just said, are you also have an issue with making fun of mentally handicapped people and profited yeah. from it. And what a me. piece, dude. You said what that? That's what you said? Yeah. I said that exact same thing. He didn't block me, well, though. Yeah, because I'm Mexican. Yeah. He hates, Mexican. <laughs> he hates uh, Mexican people. Oh, yeah. spread it. Can, he's such a worm. <laughs> he's, I, I, it's, that's so disappointing, because I love Tim and Eric. He, he's definitely yeah. somebody I found influence in when he was on Adult Swim 10 years ago. Yeah. And just to see the trajectory that he has gone down 
over the past couple of years, especially where it's like, hey, I didn't, I didn't say protest these people. I didn't say go right to Turner or uh, uh, you know cancel your Spotify. I'm just saying, for me personally, I find this disgusting. And then he'll post a screen cap of his cancellation and put the email address of the Spotify people you need to contact. Such a duplicitous piece of shit. What is Eric doing now? Directing music videos quietly, minding his yeah. business, being a good boy, eating well. <laughs> yes, eating well, <laughs> minding his own fucking business. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is probably what Joe Spinell did too. Like that's like a lost uh, a lost art of navigating things. Just uh, going to Clams Casino and minding your own fucking business and yeah. just being well, I guess that's smooth, a, smooth that's, guy. That's the problem with social media now that. You know, if you have a voice and if you're in that Hollywood bubble, I guess, I don't know why actors and Hollywood people think that they're supposed to be the voice of reason that tells you how you're supposed to act and what you're supposed to do when, no offense, but actors are usually pretty fucking stupid. Like, actors are to are paid to read things that other person wrote for them. So no yeah. one wants to hear your thoughts of it. No one wants to know what you're struggling with being a millionaire for more than 10 years. That's yeah, the person that, that people are relating an odd, to. odd amount of entitlement. But um, yeah, you see it with musicians too. But uh, man, I don't know. I just, uh, I really wish people could just do what they're supposed to be good at and fucking stand on it. And the ones that aren't good would fall and everybody yeah. could just be be fucking skilled they're fucking not not great and uh you know i kind of really wish things went like that do you think there will be some kind of correction to come i don't know i wish that i got more helpful for that like as the days <laughs> went on but i'm leaning towards more just like oh i don't know every day i feel like i see something where i'm just like oh oh no Another, uh, yeah. you know, we're just getting farther and farther. So, shit, man, I don't know. It's scary. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we've had conversations on this show before. Where you can go back to, like, 2018 where it's like, yeah, eventually something's going to happen. You know, people are going to wake <laughs> up and they're going to go back to, you know, great art or, or not care about this or that issue or whatever. And that just has not happened at all. It's just gotten much worse. Cities are yeah, like, Can a virus do it? Can a yeah. virus wipe the shit out? <laughs> well, no, because it's not killing them. It's not killing millionaires, you know. Right. It's not getting them. So, And and I think the, the biggest issue is that... It would have um, killed Joe Spinell, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> His ass would have been wiped out faster than Coke and uh, booze killed him in oh, 50 man. years. There's, there's such a culture of uh, celebrating... So celebrities and elevating them to you know almost god or religious figure status where if like they're going to continue doing that because they're getting positive feedback from a group of people sure there's going to be people like us that are just going to be like that's stop you but know? hold like, on hold on hold on let me let me stop you there so do you think that the opinions shared between the three of us on this where it's like okay yeah there's a whole bunch of shows that have giant budgets that nobody is watching we don't know anything about them Right. Do you think that represents whatever like the, the mainstream opinion would be? Or do you think people are actually uh, persuaded by these? I mean, do you think anybody's really watching the Avengers Kamala Harris town hall on 
what was it, YouTube or something, or Twitch, and being like, uh, yeah, yeah, Chris Evans. It's got to like, yeah. be like by age group, I feel, right? Because I'm thinking yeah. about like what's, what's the mainstream, and it's like I think about like, I don't know, like what's a successful TV show, something that my mom watches, like This Is Us or something, you know, like a basic cable, like uh, – <laughs> Oh, man, just an awful, awful show. And uh, that is technically the mainstream, you know, even though like she's a middle aged woman and we're like, you know, younger men. Um, I think by age group is really where you get um, your differences of opinion. I think I, I think you're probably correct. I think there is actually less of a mainstream now than there might have been four or five years ago. It feels like oh, yeah. a lot has happened where we've just broken that down into niche groups, which is why there's so much conflict in general um, mm. and, and all kinds of infighting going on, even within those uh, niche groups. But yeah, I guess if there was technically a mainstream, it would be something like that. Just the, the three big networks, CBS, ABC, NBC, whatever they produce, basic cable. But is that, is that still as powerful though? No, like, I, I don't think so. Nah. Something like Netflix now. I guess Netflix will be mainstream too. And and whenever they have a good show, they end up canceling it. And then they give shit like Black Summer, which is a oh, show that dude. we uh, both I enjoy. Have... <laughs> Another I, I season. I that is. It's, is that? it's it's one of the worst zombie-related things that we've ever... It's like laughable, laughably oh, bad. But I fell it's off not with per- zombies, man. I fell off. I, I couldn't really... Uh... I don't know, like the last like great zombie thing I was stoked about, but um, Day I of the had Dead, a feeling, maybe. Yeah, like an actual <laughs> like uh, yeah, like a George Romero movie. But uh, I had this feeling when I was watching this uh, this second season of uh, Haunting of Hill House. Have you seen that? I have I, not uh, watched it. I actually i have a I have a feud going with the guy who who did that. He blocked. Dude, me good. Me. Good because the second <laughs> season of this show was like a lifetime movie. It was like oh. anything that was like cool or like gripping about the first season, they like dropped it in uh, uh, the UK and just man, it was like oh, it was just not scary. There was no like the first season. I, I remember like watching at night alone and being like, ooh, you know, like I'm spooked. <laughs> I'm spooked at 3 a.m. But this time I was just like, oh, my God, like, what is what is like the substance of horror in this show? And uh, it was just really bad, dude. I uh, I don't recommend it to anyone. And uh, what man, what I've heard from that show or the reasoning that people uh, have um, to say positive things about it is that, you know, it's a very slow build, but the payoff at the end, it's worth it. But then I guess that that comes with the binge watching thing that we have now where you yeah. know, people are willing to sit through seven, eight episodes to get yeah. something. Yeah. Where well, back we can in the day, sit through having... shit for eight hours now. Like, look yeah. how far we've come. Yeah. And, and, and before, you know, you had to do a week by week thing. So you had to grip the audience more oh, than yeah. with something like this. That's a good um, point. I, 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 I watched like two episodes and I was like, I right, this is just I don't I don't want to put myself through everything just to see if the ending is you know, uh, it goes real it gets real uh, real not horror, like dude it goes so, it just becomes like a, a romance and uh, 
it was just so bad, dude. I didn't feel for any of the characters. It was like, it was just uh, everything wrong with like uh, like a new like with that Netflix original content now that I feel like is Netflix original content just going to become like the new Lifetime, like you know maybe they've, they've dropped off so much in in quality and also just like the the movies that they curate. I remember I I was doing um just a live stream the other night and I was thinking back to uh, uh, when I first watched the films of like Vincent Gallo. I'm wearing Vincent Gallo's pants right now. You're a lucky bastard for that, man. (laughs) I I got a nice pair of corduroy blue bell bottoms on right now. Comfortably. Sitting on Vincent Gallo's farts. That's lovely. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm Uh, sure they don't smell. (laughs) Uh, Alpha farts. They were... uh, they were very clean, very fresh when they arrived, for the record. But I, I remember back in 2010 or so, they had fairly obscure movies on there. They had, like, good art house movies. That's how I watched uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Tetro. And now I feel like they wouldn't even think to add something like that. Yeah. It's all very, like, uh, just consumer-grade stuff. And I, I think the same thing goes for their original programming as well. Uh, I, I'll give credit to uh, you know Stranger Things for having like a decent first season, but season one, everything stuff. after that. Ugh. Well, and now what they're doing is just buying. Well, then they buy Chappelle's show, which is going to they're going to put out on Netflix. Is now. that and right? I think were, yeah, I think they did it with Friends too. Where no, they're no, just no, buying... no. You're getting this confused. See, Chappelle's show right now is on that CBS app. They're going to rebrand as Paramount something soon. And then Friends went to HBO Max. Okay. But Chappelle's show is coming to Netflix. I'm just looking at it in November. Oh, then um, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So they're doing that. I think there were there were rumors about them trying to buy Seinfeld too, or or at least the rights to to show it on, on their uh, streaming service, which, I mean, fine. I guess you, you can go the safe route because there's always going to be someone that wants to go back and watch those shows. But at the same yeah. time... Um, the productions that they're putting out, uh, their own productions, there's like maybe one hit out of 10, like thinking just without looking uh, for it. Um, Mindhunter is the only one that I can think of that I that Are you I've like enjoyed. Ozark? What about Ozark? Oh, yeah, Ozark. Okay, yeah, Ozark is pretty good. But uh, but then you have something on Mindhunter, which it's really good. Like it, it has a story that's going still. Uh, and then there's an arc that does that's not related to the main story that is just now not going to be closed. Like no, you know, oh, we're not going to see canceled, the right? Yeah. Well, so. uh, that's what that's what uh, what's the director's name? Um, David Fincher. Seven. Yeah, David Fincher said that it's very unlikely that they'll do because of the budget and because not enough people watched it or whatever. But that's a that's a quality show, and I feel like a, a, a streaming service like Netflix that has a lot of money, instead of giving you know, Black Summer, another season, or, you know, the uh, Elisa Schlesinger sketch show, another season, they could put the money into something that's quality. But at the same time, are people even interested in quality anymore? Or are they just interested in, hey, let, let me watch something for eight hours or like the Bly Manor? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, um, that, you know, it might not be great, but at the end, hey, I forgot that the first eight episodes were shit because we got a, a, a good ending. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I'm man. I'm afraid that like 
uh, people are just like, well, TLC makes a lot of money. Every channel will soon be <laughs> TLC. We're like, okay, like, I could handle one TLC, you know, like, <laughs> like pimple popping 700 pound motherfuckers on one channel. But like, <laughs> if that becomes every channel, I'm going to be like, oh, oh no. Listen, I'd rather, I'd rather watch an episode of 90 Day Fiance that watch an episode of fucking Ratchet. Which oh, is just, uh, Ratchet. Or any any show that that oh, guy... Yeah, I, that I think they like... I walked into my parents watching Ratchet. I was like, oh, American Horror Story's really gone in the shitter. They're like, this is a new show. They're like, this isn't American Horror Story. I was like, are you sure? Uh, Ryan Murphy's yeah. style is something I cannot palate for the life of me. It, just yeah, the no, oversaturation thanks. of 1950s... It's it's just gross. Um and I, I don't trust when Netflix will put out like a tweet or they'll make some report like, oh, Ratchet is the most watched show this week with over 100 million down. It's like some, somebody clicked on it and the trailer played for a second yeah. and they count that as a view. They probably triple it, you know, for the household. There's three people per house. OK, that's three views. I think it's all a crock of shit. Um, yeah, we're just circling the drain at this point. Like you just need people in charge to be like. like tasteful people in charge that would say like no absolutely we're not going to do that like that's an idiotic idea for a show like unless you have those people like turning the gears and shit and like it like is that are we kind of screwed until like really like great minds get into those positions of power that can stop horrible shows and movies from being made well I think that the next step is probably just we're going to have to just jump from streaming service to streaming service because as soon as the streaming service starts focusing more on money than quality, which is what I'm assuming is happening with Netflix, because how can you give a show like 13 Reasons Why four seasons you know, yeah. or three seasons, whatever it is, uh, instead of, again, I'm, I'm just going to go back to Mindhunter because that's one of my, my favorite things I've done yeah. and I'm upset that they've canceled it. But yeah. now... Um, you have what the stars channel who has like their own thing. And, and just like a lot of, of streaming services that are popping up where I feel like once those start focusing more on money, you can just jump to the next one. And it's going to become one of those things of like what channels used to be before. Yeah. Where instead of, you know, I, I watch CBS shows because they're my favorite. Oh, now they're shitty. Let's jump to whatever. Eight, yeah. ABC. You really love ABC. Jag and CSI Miami. <laughs> love the uh, uh suits from usa channel and then you oh this channel also has burn notice so i love this channel and then burn notice stops and there's you know what i mean like it's just it's going to become that just jumping from streaming services yeah so, what to are get people gonna best... like start paying a month for entertainment like i need a fucking all of these it's like a grand a month like all all my shit all my shit's a grand a month now as opposed to like when people only had netflix for eight dollars a month or whatever it started at yeah, but it's all going to come up to you're going to be paying the same cost that you would have with cable. That's yeah. what, that's been the popular talking point. But a lot of these streaming services, like uh, something like the CBS app, they are they're put in a position where they have to rebrand the Paramount because not enough people are going to sign up for that. So some of these, you know, you, you tune into them because they're on your cable box and maybe they have like a big show or whatever. That time is over. Can they sustain themselves as a streaming platform? Some will, some won't. I think they're going to have to merge. Otherwise, they're going to have to sell themselves to companies like Netflix and Amazon Prime very soon. And I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we wind up in a situation where 
It kind of activates like uh, social media where you just have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's really only like three or four platforms you're visiting for yeah. those purposes. I think streaming services will probably go that way, at least until uh, Netflix runs out of money. Because I know they're yeah. in severe debt to China and India. So once that dries up. Yeah, I do enjoy my HBO Max. I think that's probably my uh, still my go-to. And my watch list is enormous. And there's uh, a lot of stuff that catches my eye on the HBO Max. So I guess if I had to pick one, if you had to take them all away, I guess that's the one that I would keep right now. They've been good. They have... Uh... I mean, they have a lot of their subsidiaries involved with that, like Turner Classic Movies, uh, yeah. Adult Swim. So you're getting some real quality with that. But HBO itself, HBO used to be known for great, high-quality adult uh, entertainment. Not, yeah. not adult, triple X entertainment. Unless you count like <laughs> real, real sex, where it's just elderly uh. couples going to swingers resorts. Yeah. Taxi cab confessions. <laughs> yeah, taxi cab confessions. That's another classic. Um, you know, something like The Sopranos or, uh, you know, Six Feet Under, one of those shows. The Wire. The Wire, excuse me. Yeah. And they yeah. have really gotten far away from that. Like, Hans, I know your favorite is that Watchmen remake series that they put out yeah. a year ago. Oh. I don't even know if I want to hear Hans' opinion on that. No, I, uh, I just... Yeah, I'm I'm not a, a huge fan of the Zack Snyder movie to begin with, but yeah. once you bring more politics into it that it's needed to fit, yeah. you know, the current yeah. uh, climate, it's you you lose the comp- the point of the original thing. It, we go back to the to the maniac thing, you know. It's like that fits perfectly for the 1980s, and if you try to modernize it now. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. And if you want to do something that's not going to be attached to the original, then just call it something else. Like be creative and come up with something original instead of, hey, this is Watchman-ish because this guy wears the same suit as the old guy. You know, yeah. it, it's, it, it's very shallow. And yeah. that, that's one of the things that, that um, this Maniac remake, just to bring it back a little bit, the Maniac remake, um, the subway scene which is very uh and the original one is very effective you know when the the girl gets out of the subway station everything is closed and you have these 80s subway stations that's just dirty and like desolate uh you do the remake and in the remake there's enough people in the train that would be able to help her if she asked for help there's security cameras there so she's like running out and then she runs out and she's in a parking lot trying to get help from people where you know for a fact that in 20 what 12 when it came out there's going to be camera. There's going to be more people there. Uh, yeah. And the fact that they try to still get away with the same things in the 80s. There was le- more people the day after 9-11 than people on the streets of New York in this Mania remake. Which mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, so I've been to New York once. I mean, you guys can probably... Yeah, you know, like, when is this happening? Tell, exactly. Just like during the day, you barely see any people on the street and even at night. And my one experience in New York, I walk home at like three in the morning and there was a lot of people in the streets still. So that takes out from from the fact that you're trying to portray a thing that worked back in the day. Hold on. The the remake takes place in Los Angeles. But I do think that having New York City as the backdrop is such a a staple to that original film. It's part of the texture of it that you wind up losing that as well. But I mean... That isn't that just fitting though? Is moving it from gritty '80s New York to modern day Los Angeles? Like I feel like 
that that's that just sums up the movie yeah in itself um do we have anything else to say about maniac or or horror in general it used to be better it used to be better (laughs) there you go oh man what's the last what's the last horror movie that caught you or got your attention that you can think of that uh you can even recommend someone for multiple viewings I don't now I go into a horror movie like is this am I gonna be pissed off that I watched this instead of like is this gonna <laughs> even be like fine? I'm just like, oh God, like I turn off a lot of fucking horror movies within the first like fifteen minutes because I'm just like, no, can't I can't even can't even risk the next twenty minutes of my life. I think the most recent horror movie that I watched might have been that that slasher film that went to shutter, haunt. And, oh, uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say that wasn't like a total pile of shit, but it didn't like. I wouldn't put that on like a list of, you know, best. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I I enjoyed it enough to the point where like, if somebody was like, like, would you recommend that to somebody? I mean, for a movie, probably not. For a modern horror movie, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't feel I very Shutter strongly too. about it. I have Shutter too, so I'll I'll kind of keep. Uh, I'll keep up with like what they recommend for like new, you know, new material and they put out their own stuff, right? Yeah. Like shutter exclusives is like them making it. Uh, usually, or they'll acquire uh, a property. Uh, one that I watched from this year that was really terrible was one that uh, Fangoria put out this movie called porno. And it just, it was, it yeah, was, I skipped it was that one. painful to endure. And the, <laughs> the worst part about it was at the very end of the credits, uh, they named their production company that they filed strictly for this film a thoughtful horror film LLC. That made me it made me want to stab myself repeatedly <laughs> in the eyes for enduring that for ninety minutes. That's another problem too with horror in general is all these message films. Like they they prioritize well, we have to communicate some sort of message to make society better mm-hmm. as opposed to simply entertaining. And it can't even yeah. just be like an undercurrent to the movie. We have to market the film based on that. I, I, yeah. I partially blame Jordan Peele for that, but um, you know he's hardly the only one at fault. Yeah. Well, just to mention that uh, Black Christmas that, that uh, Mario mentioned, uh, that last remake of Black Christmas was sold as this feminist, you know, movie that there's going to be people of every color, and and you know, you watch yeah. the movie because of that, and then you watch it, and the movie is shit like there's nothing interesting there's he's not saying anything other than these women are strong i guess uh and then you you watch the original and it's okay so let's focus on the story other than who cares who these characters are who cares what color they are or you know what what they think politically nobody gives a shit let's focus on we're gonna have a creepy killer that can pop up at any time and and that's the creepiness from it and now the the central message seems to be more important than even a plot or even the creepy look of the movie. Like I, I'm not looking forward to fucking feminist uh, Jason who only kills white men. You know, like I I know who yeah. wants to see that. You know, so you can go on Twitter for that. You don't need to bring that to your uh, local <laughs> local theater. Yeah, I'll act. You know what? There there were actually uh, some decent horror films that came out this year. Although I don't know if I could commit to calling them horror i think color out of space which we covered i think that was the first movie we covered for 2020 it's not really a horror film it has horror aspects to it they did fairly well with that 
And uh, that movie Spree with the kid from Stranger Things was actually surprisingly good. That was uh, David Arquette was in that movie too. Really, I, 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 I was that like, like a Uber minutes? driver movie? Yeah, I watched ten minutes of it. I couldn't get past the gimmick of him talking into his camera. I felt like I was watching a YouTube video, so it annoyed me very quickly. Uh, That's I, the I, point. I've seen a, I've seen a lot of re- really good reviews, but I just couldn't get past it. I, I don't think he's likable enough. To do, it would be like watching a fucking Jake Paul vlog, you know, like I've just like I, I'm very put off by by the character from the beginning. And I know mm-hmm. that the, the whole gimmick is that we're going to see him throughout the whole movie. So I couldn't. Well, he's supposed to be like a cringy Twitch streamer kind of kid. So that I mean, that's all deliberate. But I, I watched that movie expecting to really not like it based off the premise and the trailers. It didn't impress me, but I watched it and I thought, wow, this this was actually one of the better films I've seen this year. Uh, which is not saying much, but it it was entertaining. And uh, mm-hmm. as far as a, a, like a movie with horror elements, it certainly was far from the worst. I'll give it a shot. They make great use of like a bunch of celebrities you would find on cameo.com in that movie. Yeah. It's like, it's David Arquette. It's Frankie Grande. Uh, that one forgettable woman from Saturday Night Live. Not bad. Um, that's That's a lot of them. Like, yeah, they yeah. actually use Cameo to like get them in the movie or they just make it look like no like, no no, no, like no it's just people you would find on Cameo oh, for, okay. for certain um, mm. but anyway I think we should probably just wrap up the show on that now we covered a lot we're just kind of bitching about the industry and the horror <laughs> yeah. at this point that's what every show devolves into is just talking about how it was good at one point and it's not as good now uh, Mario, thank you so much for coming on the show today, dude. That's great. why I'm stoked to see your movie, though. I gotta, I gotta tell you that I can't wait to see that. Ah, uh, it's it's actually it's coming along very very well thus far. I feel very confident in this movie that it's not going to be a pile of shit. That's not going to succumb to the the curse of YouTube, like the angry video game nerd movie or the red letter media movies or uh, anyone else from that platform that has tried to make a, a legitimate film. I think we're doing well. YouTube. YouTube well, I'm glad you guys fucking got out there and fucking did it, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, 20 grand invested in this thing of my own money. So I'd better Ooh. do it. That makes it more exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gambling. I'm hoping that chain link pays out in the end, you know? Big in crypto. Anyway. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right. Uh, that has been movies for this week. Do you want to plug your, your Instagram or your music? Uh, my Instagram is at MC Mario Cuomo. Um, music. Our band has a new album coming out. I don't fucking know when, but it's finished now. It sounds real good. Um, but no idea when it will come out. I don't know if we'll put it out ourselves. We're still trying to negotiate some things to get us some real money because I haven't seen a lot of that in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But it's a product that I think... Uh, we could stand on so i'm hyped for it i can't wait yeah i hope you guys enjoy it maybe i'll get it to you early i'll how about this i'll trade you when the movie's done i'll send you a copy of that you can send me the new all right, album. Fair trade. All right. can i get both Asshole yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got it. all right thank you again for coming on the show right. it was great man no problem man it's my favorite podcast